Welcome to Write Now with Scrivener, where writers talk about how they work, how they develop their ideas, and how they use Scrivener, the app built for long-form writing projects. I'm your host, Kirk McElhern, author of Take Control of Scrivener. Today, I'm happy to welcome Rochelle Issop. Rochelle is a professional organizer. Rochelle, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me what a professional organizer is? I've never heard that term before outside of politics. You're not involved in politics, are you? No, no. Um, as a professional organizer, I help people better manage their time, space, and belongings. So that can be anything uh, including helping people declutter their belongings at work or at home, helping them create structures, helping them organize what's left, and also creating great habits to make sure that everything stays organized in the long term. Habits, those are important. I was mentioning to you before we started recording, I've been a freelancer for 25 years, and I used to be that guy who knew where everything on my desk was, no matter how many layers of things there were. And about five years ago, I decided to minimize my office and particularly my desk. And now I see so much of my desk and it makes a difference because there's, there's not that visual static that you get when all that stuff is piled up. I think in our society, we really just don't put that much emphasis on what's in our environment. And we kind of take it for granted many times. Um, you know, having items around you that are not related to the task at hand can really be a distraction. So I could certainly see that uh, being a help to you as you do your work. Another thing that I did, which was a big change, and this goes back about 10 years, is I went paperless for the most part. So I get as many documents as possible in PDF form. I have a Fujitsu scan snap that I use to scan documents when I get others. And that too has made a big difference. I don't really need paper very much. Yeah, I hear that um, a lot with people. Sometimes someone will prefer the digital method. They'll say, you know, wow, this has really changed my life. Some people prefer the paper method, which is also good, too. And sometimes there are people uh, like myself who straddle both and enjoy using paper and pen for some tasks like writing or brainstorming or making lists um, and then choose the digital route for things like PDFs or saving files and the like. Yeah, I'm not talking about the writing, the sketching, the doodling. That's analog. That's different. But it's all the other papers that you need, your invoices that you send, the bills that you pay and all that. And that, too, it's like kind of a static, isn't it, when you have things that are just waiting to be paid. And the one on the top is the one you notice, but maybe the one six pages down is the one that needs to get dealt with first. And I think that's something that we need also to discuss in today's world, the difference between that analog and digital and how we just personally relate to it, because handling things like physical mail, postal mail, is much different than seeing a pile of emails in your inbox. You know, we, re we relate to it differently. Um, you know, email is the keyboard and the mouse or, you know, dictation. Handling postal mail you got to get out your letter opener and open the mail and feel it. So it's a whole different experience. And I think just being aware of that and how we work and how we process things can go a long way when it comes to being more productive, being more mindful of our time, or just how we organize things in general. Right. So you're talking about organizing in many ways. On the one hand, it's physical. And on the other hand, it's organizing time. And one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast is we have a lot of people who use Scrivener, who are writers and who are not full-time writers. So they have to juggle a full-time job or a part-time job with their writing. 
How does someone start organizing their time to make their day as efficient as possible? Sure. So when it comes to writing and anything else that you really want to do and truly make a habit, you really need to set aside the time for yourself. And it really is a declarative statement. It's an act saying this is very important to me in my life. This is one of the goals that I want to you know, reach and physically setting that time aside. You might need to write it into your calendar, put it into your schedule. I know it, it you know, might seem like a bit of, uh, you know, advice that's you know, been played over and over again. But taking that one step really puts your mind in the place of, hey, this is real. I'm actually sitting down to do it. Um, and I think also when it comes to writing, people get a little bit scared and think that they have to, you know, produce you know, everything in that one setting. If I set out to write a book or if I set to write out a report or anything else, I have to do it in this one sitting or I have to make the most of it during that one sitting or it has to be an hour or two hours or whatnot. But the thing that will really move people ahead is not necessarily that duration of time in each instance, but the repetition, making it that habit. One could conceivably, and I think I remember reading a, a news story about this uh, several years ago about a man who wrote a book on his way to work commuting. He had, you know, I don't know how long it was exactly, but either he dictated or he typed it out on his phone and he wrote a book over the course of, you know, several months. Um, so it's just that that habit, that repeat of putting the time in the calendar, showing up and doing something. <laughs> Writers are notorious procrastinators, though. So they'll have it in the calendar and they'll sit around and think, well, should I do this or should I make another coffee? And then by the end of the time slot, it's over and they've pushed it to the next day. Um, you know, I go through that sometimes too when I'm writing and you're just sitting there staring at a blank screen. And over the years, I've made an analogy for myself um, to help me get through it. And the way that I look at it is if I'm writing, I need words to work with. So the way to look at that, how I look at it now is if I were a potter, and I wanted to make a bowl or a plate and throw it on the wheel. I need clay. I need something to work with. So let me just go and get my clay. Let me go and put some words on the page. And for me, that really does help because I've just eliminated that resistance to it has to be the right words. It has to be, you know, the perfect words or the structure that I need. Just put something down. Just having that alone and breaking through that initial resistance um, will help you um, and just, you know, lower that bar of, you know, perfection or I don't know what to do. You know, my first drafts are pretty bad the first drafts <laughs> but <laughs> and sometimes i'll just do but no one else is reading them so right, it's okay right and many times they're just stream of consciousness and i've i've found that over the years what i write doesn't make much sense when i'm reading it but to me when i reread it i know what i meant to say and then i can work with it but i need something to work with i need something to um you know review and edit so that's what I, I like to do. I like to view it as I need to get some clay. Let me put some clay out. <laughs> then I can work with it. But I, c I can't work with the blank screen. One of the things we have today is that there are so many distractions. And you've got a recent article on your blog, How to Stay Focused on Your Work. And this is something that 
is this like the biggest problem for people producing creatively that, you know, they start to work and all of a sudden Squirrel or Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or let me just go play that game again for a while. And it's so easy to get distracted. Again, this is procrastination. This is, you know, the, that writer's tool of trying to do something else instead of doing what you need to. But it seems to me that that focus and that distraction is probably the biggest thing that costs us time. I would say so. I would I would certainly agree. I remember when I started first writing in earnest, it did take me some time to settle down and understand that this was a writing session, that it was different than the other tasks that I was doing. Um, and I remember just, I, I would describe it as, you know, having your energy kind of up or just, you know, I'm ready to do something next. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and it took a while just to naturally come down and, and relax into it. And what's really funny too, is that's exactly how I work with people too, when it comes to organizing, because everybody has that energy. I have to do it this way. This is the only way, but if you really want to succeed, it's all about relaxing. So, you know, allowing yourself to experience that time and that change and understanding the difference between writing time and commuting or, you know, running errands or, you know, cooking dinner, it's a different experience. And I think that's something that people, writers, you know, especially, if you can just tune in and understand that difference and that, that nuance of what it feels like, the passage of time when you're writing or when you're getting ready to write um, and just sit with it and see how that feels. And again, with that repetition, every day practicing that habit, notice, oh, okay, this, feel, this felt different. Or, you know, you could even, you know, take, uh, write a little journal of how you're feeling before each um, session, you know, were you distracted? Was something on your mind? Are you feeling like you want to write? Do you feel like you don't want to write? Um, you know, that that time perception is really, really important because you need to be relaxed and focused enough to sit down and do your work. So I think just sitting with it is probably a good thing for people to do and just see see how it goes over the course of, you know, several weeks and months. Um, looking at some of the tips in this article, remove non-essential work items from your immediate work area. Yes, I got that one. <laughs> Declutter your desk or work area. Yes, that's two in a row. Change your view. Now, I'm fortunate to live in a rural area, so I can just look out the window to my left and look at the fields over there so I can change my view. Be smart about your screens. And this is, you know, turn off everything and do all that. But here's one that I think a lot of people don't think about. Freshen up the air. I have an air filter in my office. I have windows open when I need to. A couple years ago, I read an article about how in meetings, the increase in the CO2 level after about 30 minutes means that people aren't productive anymore, that they're sluggish. And so I have a thing that tells me the CO2 when it gets above a certain level and I open the windows. And I've noticed that since I have that, it really makes a difference. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, I've, I've seen articles, you know, since the pandemic started, um, you know, people find that they're more productive at home. Be one of which uh, reasons which I should say is that they're they have the ability to or they ra rather they have access to fresh air. They can open the windows in their home or in the co-working space or wherever they may be. But may they may be working maybe on the beach um, and oh, on the beach. OK, well, that's a different <laughs> story there. 
you know, um, you know, at a, at a table by the seaside, right. um, having a coffee, something like that. Um, but having that ability to change and be aware of your environment and to play with that and just, again, the experimentation and uh, realization and review of, oh, that was interesting. You know, it, and, you know, when it comes to environment, like some of the tips that I give um, for people um, and writers can certainly use this, too. If you're used to writing at your desk or in your office or at a certain space, try breaking up how you work or process things for that that one piece. So one thing you can do, you know, obviously you could go and work in a different office or um, environment indoors. You can open the windows. You can also go outside and you know, the outdoors can be a great source of inspiration and just set a, you know, just have a little goal for yourself. Um, sometimes if I'm, you know, stressing out over a headline that I just can't get right, you know, I'll go out, you know, for a walk and, you know, just let that kind of noodle in my head. Or if I'm trying to brainstorm, sometimes just, you know, stepping outside uh, when, when before the pandemic, I would jot down ideas for blog posts on the subway platform. You know, I'd have my little notebook and just, oh, wait, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I think sometimes when we think of work, like it has to be location specific, but sometimes your mind is operating in a different way and you just need a way to capture it. So that's why, you know, having a notebook um, or a note-taking device on hand can be helpful. Um, but yeah, you, even, you know, just changing, you know, sitting outside for a little bit, you know, um, you know, with a laptop or a tablet or a phone, just, you know, looking at things. It just it can just look different when you have green around you. Walking is important. I'll link in the show notes to an article on the Scribner blog that I wrote about how walking can boost creativity. And it's it's scientifically proven. And people have been doing this for centuries, you know, from the Greek philosophers through Darwin and all these people. And just walking can make a difference. Of course, it depends where you live. If you live in a noisy, polluted city, it's not great. But if you do have an area where you can get out and take a walk, I find that one of the most productive things I can do. Yeah, I think, you know, especially now, um, since the pandemic, you know, everybody's taking, has taken time off and realized the benefit of slowing down and just relaxing. So I think the more we can build that in to our lives, just again, as a habit, you know, taking care to think about our schedules um, and just basic things like, OK, when's meal time? Uh, you know, when is sleep time? Am I giving myself enough time to sleep? If I'm, am I giving myself enough time or time at all to take lunch um, and just, you know, take a break during the day or, you know, a coffee break? Um, you know, that's really the thing that will move you forward. Sometimes it's not, you know, about doing the active work, um, but rather the passive work and just, you know, just again, being in that cycle and observing and feeling that transition because we, we need we need both, right? They, they both exist. It's the duality of it. OK, we're going to take a break and we'll come back and talk about how you use Scrivener. Writing a book, screenplay or even a long article is a juggling act. You need to find the right words and the right structure, keep track of research, and refer to notes. Tailor-made for long writing projects, Scrivener is the go-to app for writers of all types. Scrivener combines a typewriter, binder, and corkboard in a single app. A project outline makes it easy to get an overview of your work and flip between sections. 
Refer to research alongside your writing and just drag and drop to rearrange your work. Write in any order in sections as large or small as you like and let Scrivener stitch it all together when you're ready to share your words with the world. With Scrivener, you'll find everything you need to start writing and keep writing. Scrivener is available for Mac, Windows, iPad, and iPhone. Download the free trial from ScrivenerApp.com. Right now with Scrivener listeners can get a 20% discount with the coupon code PODCAST. That's ScrivenerApp.com. Okay, I'm back with Rochelle Asip. Let's talk about how you use Scrivener. Now, you use it in many ways. You've written several ebooks about organizing and productivity, etc. But you were telling me before the show that you use Scrivener for all different types of writing. Yes, I have found that over the years um, that Scrivener can be really helpful when writing blog posts. Um, I've been doing, let's say, the blog posts, I think, since about 2012. And um, I've gotten into my habit of every year starting a new Scrivener document and then creating blog posts within that. So it allows me to see all of the blog posts throughout the year, uh, kind of in situ, um, as opposed to seeing it in my, um, you know, blog software. And that can be helpful too, just of, okay, where do I want the blog or the subjects to go over the course of the year? And since using Scrivener for my blog, I've also been using it for other aspects of my business. So I also use it to write newsletters and put together email campaigns um, to capture notes and ideas or, you know, even fan mail sometimes. Um, And it's nice just to have everything, you know, set up um, in that structure, you know, for that year. Here's the year, um, you know, 2022 or whatever it may be. And then set up different folders for the different projects that I'm working on. Newsletters, blog posts, campaigns, um, products or things that I'm creating. Um, I've also started using Scrivener when I'm working on scripts for courses, online courses. So I use the script feature and that can be very helpful because, um, you know, an online course or a video presentation is very much like a movie or a TV show. And I can see the flow of the conversation um, in that layout. And then when I'm finished with it, it's just as easy as copying it and pasting it into, you know, either Keynote or um, PowerPoint. So when you've got a, a year's file and you've got these different folders with different types of text, how much do these existing texts help feed new texts that you're writing? Do you go back and glance at them to remember what you've written about a certain thing? And does that sort of create uh, an impetus for a new blog post or a new article? You know, I do go back and look at some of the old blog posts. And I've actually found that that yearly progression to be very helpful because <laughs> I, I kind of see it as, well, this was my, uh, you know, time management period, or this was my home organization period. And I can see where my thoughts were at that moment in time. And over the years, I think evolving the types of posts that I write, because, you know, you can, you can write on a subject like time management or organization, but the challenge for me is how can I present this information in a clear way? How can I make sure that people take action and how can I make sure that they do that action consistently? Um, and then fourth, present it in a way that might be really interesting or just a new way of looking at it. Sometimes, 
you know, the subjects will be the same. Um, I think I remember one post I had about decluttering and I wanted to make the point, not necessarily of this is how you declutter something, but the idea behind it, the mindset. And I remember I posted something that said, look, you're going to declutter. It's just a fact of life. Things come into our lives. Things leave our lives. We use items that get worn out. We have to let them go. We buy new things. It, it happens. And I remember I had one person comment who said, oh, thank you for just pointing that out because I think I got, <laughs> you know, in my head that, oh, it's just a one time thing. Um, but, you know, having that new perspective can be really helpful for people. And, you know, I find that challenging and, it, and it's fun too. just how can I present this information that is you know, out there and, you know, it, it can go in one way. But how can I present it in a new way? How can I get people to think about their everyday actions and just look at things in a new way? Yeah, decluttering is a hot topic, isn't it? It's become quite popular, and I think it it meets a need. We have too much stuff, and we buy more things, and they add up. and And like, I'm guilty because I buy so many books. I'm I I keep bookstores and publishers alive. I buy more books than I read because I know I want to read these books one day. I, I forget what the Japanese call it, but it is a recognized addiction in Japan. Yes, yes, I remember reading a book. Um, oh, I can't remember his name, but um, he was writing about minimalism and he took it to the, you know, he, he went really minimal because he had all these books and the collection of books surrounding him. And he got it down to, I, I remember the memorable line that he had so little in his apartment, so few items that he owned that he could be ready to move and complete the move in 20 minutes time. So that was that was really serious, minimal, um, <laughs> minimalism. Have you ever read any of those Jack Reacher novels where all he has is like his passport and a pair of, you know, clean boxer shorts and that's all he has? So I think that's kind of an extreme. And some people, when they think about minimalism, they think they have to go that far. Whereas every few years, I get rid of 10% of my books, roughly 10, 15%. I give them to charity shops. I sell some on eBay. It's just, it just feels better, doesn't it? When you can get rid of things, you know, you don't really need. Yes, I, I I think so. You know, personally, it just it just feels better. Um, you know, the items that we've purchased in the past, you know, we were different people then. You know, we had different situations, experiences, different friends, family, like just our, the whole way of being um, is different. And I think sometimes it's not necessarily conscious, but there's some sort of attachment. Um, to items. And when you shake up things and remove those items from, you know, certain areas that you realize, you know, I just don't have a, a, the need for this anymore, or I want to shake things up, you know, can really refresh that space and, you know, just your way of thinking and way of being and doing, you know, in the present moment. And one of the things too, that y you uh, made me think about with the Jack Reacher comment about just having the the bare minimum and, you know, dealing with things like that's also like what I talk about and encourage people to do. Not necessarily always the bare minimum at all times, but that organization, time management and productivity at their essence is really all about living in the moment because you are paying so much attention to where you are and the resources available to you. Um, you know, when packing, you know, for example, for a vacation and all that, you know, packing succinctly and having just what you need, 
you know, a change of clothes, you know, uh, maybe a bathing suit, you know, a hat, things like that, and not much more allows you so much more time in that vacation because you're not worrying about, you know, checking the bag, you have a carry-on, you're not worrying about luggage getting lost, you're not worrying about lugging a very, very heavy um, luggage around with you while you travel, and you just have more time and energy to focus on that vacation, that relaxation, you know, not worrying about, oh, I have, a, you know, I have a 20 different outfits from which to choose. You know, I have what I have. I, let me just pick something and go and enjoy it. But how do you choose which books you're going to take with you? <laughs> That's always the hard thing. And I do love the Kindle for that reason, because I can have all the books I want. But it's true. If I ever go someplace on vacation, I just have to be able to have the right book for the right place, right? Right, right. Um I can I can definitely understand that, but I think sometimes also the right book chooses you and where you are. It could be physical, you know, if you're traveling around in the out in the world, or just where you are in your life at that moment in time too. There have been times where oh I I I can't think of you know there's 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 been a couple where I tried to read some sort of some book and I just couldn't do it at whatever moment in time. <laughs> that I was in. I just, I kept reading it. And I was like, I just can't read this book. I get 20 pages in and that was it. I mean, this has been like for, uh, you know, nonfiction, fiction, you know, it just, it just doesn't happen. And then years later, pick up the same book or read it within a week. I enjoyed it. It's done. You know, so I think also like for that concept of time or, you know, organization, you know, and having books, um, sometimes it's just not the right time for that book. You know, the, the book will choose you or you're just ready for it. Um, you've experienced things. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, a lot of the books that I read in high school, you know, completely different experience, right? When you're a teenager and younger and then to reread them now. Oh, that's what they're getting. Oh, OK. <laughs> So I think one good thing that's easy to declutter and it's probably a place to start for a lot of people is media. Those old DVDs, those CDs, those books, because you can get most of them digitally now, not all, but you can really get rid of a lot of stuff and still have it. You still have access to it. And of course, you'd have to rebuy the films digitally or rent them. You'd have to subscribe to a music streaming service for the music and rebuy the books and all that. But if I think of all the CDs I've sold in the past few years, I'm talking boxes and boxes and boxes. I, I had a lot of CDs. And I really like physical books, but I'm buying more and more ebooks because it's just, there's just less stress, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, having all of those books on an e-reader can really make things simple. You know, it's convenient. You can swap out books. You can borrow books from the library. Um, you know, it's just, it's more flexibility in terms of space. What I like to tell people too, and remind them is that, you know, when we declutter and when we get rid of things, we're also creating the room and the space for new things to come in. I mean, but no, no, no. Don't tell people to buy new things. That's <laughs> no, wrong. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, wait. Isn't that what a lot of people do when they declutter? They say, oh, I've got these empty shelves. What can I buy? <laughs> the point that I'm trying to make is that the universe is just so vast and so abundant. And, you know, the phrase nature abhors a vacuum. And I'm not saying that once you get rid of, you know, a lot of books that, you know, you're going to get the same amount back. But having 
you know, less things in your experience can just open your mind up to new ways of doing things and experiencing. And sometimes it is a cycle, you know, you get to a point where it's just, oh, this is all overwhelming. Let me get rid of some things and you feel better. Or maybe you get into the habit of calling every once in a while. Okay, I really didn't read this book or I'm just not interested. Okay, I free it up. Or you read a book halfway and you just realize this is now, now it's not the time, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with donating it. You know, I can pick it up, you know, later on in my ebook, um, you know, and just get comfortable with that. Because again, it's not the, it's not the all or nothing approach. It's about living with your belongings and being comfortable with it as opposed to, I have to have it either way. I have to be this complete minimalist or I have to have, you know, you know, wall to wall stuff. I can't, you know, create my own way in the middle. And that's a lot of what I, Uh, teach people when I work with them. It's like, yeah, you can be organized, you can declutter and all that, but I don't want people to fall into the, the, the trap of there's only one way to do it, or my way isn't the right way. Um, Meaning their own personal way, you know, you can find your own way, you know, of what that means to you, as long as you're comfortable, as long as you're the one who is enjoying living among your things, it's fine. You know, I say that to people when I work with them, you know, when it comes to clutter and things like that, you know, it's ultimately up to them to make the decision whether to keep it or not. And to be honest with themselves about why they're keeping it or why they're not. And to realize that in the long run, they have to live with it. So what, what choice do they want to make right now? You know, I hate to say this, but at the end of every episode, I ask our guests if they have any books to recommend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Have you read anything recently that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? I've been reading them um, over the past uh, several weeks. One of uh, them is Think Again by Adam Grant. Yep, I know that. It's really interesting because it gives you some really good food for thought about the way that you think as an individual, how you can influence um, or you know change others' uh opinions in a good way <laughs> and just, you know, how, how it all relates about, about thinking and, and how we do it in society. So that's really interesting. And then oddly enough, I, I thought that was funny, but the other book I'm reading is, um, in the valleys of the noble beyond, uh, by John Zeta. And this is uh, a journalist, um, who's written for, you know, lots of different publications and he decided to go in search of, uh, the Sasquatch. So, okay. So it's very interesting. It's a, it's a lovely escape book because you're going out into the woods, um, in Canada yeah. and just, you know, he, he writes so well and it's really enjoyable. And I think that, that was really funny of the two books that I chose <laughs> thinking again, how you're thinking and then approaching this, uh, because the way he goes about it is as a journalist. And how are we thinking about this? Is w- w- What's there? You know, what are, what are the stories? What's there? What are the observations? So, Okay, Rochelle Isip, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. It was great. If you like the podcast, please follow it in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Scrivener, go to ScrivenerApp.com. Join us next month for another conversation on Right Now with Scrivener. <laughs>